Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's sermon by Pastor Tim Brooks. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. With all that's going on in the world today, we're hearing it said a whole lot. Oh, I believe we're in the end times. Well, the truth is, for 2,000 years, every time there was a war, every time there's a change in leadership, every time there's a crisis in the Middle East, every time there's a shakeup in Israel's government, for 2,000 years people have been saying, oh, I believe we're in the end times. So since you're hearing that a lot, the title of today's sermon is The End Times. The End Times. Let me start out by saying this. Church, no doubt about it, we're in the end times. When Jesus departed the earth, when he departed the earth, that set in motion the next event. And the next event is his return like he said he would. So the end times begin to tick when Jesus' feet left the physical earth and he ascended and everybody was standing there watching him. So when someone says to you, oh, I tell you, with all going on today, I just believe we're in the end times, you can respond, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. When someone says, I just believe we're getting closer, you can say, well, here's one thing for sure. We're 2,022 years closer than we were when the end times started. Now, let's just quickly, a little history lesson here. For 4,000 years, all through life in the Old Testament that covered the period of the Old Covenant, we were in the times that were looking for the coming Messiah. That was what we were doing. For 4,000 years, all that was written, all the prophets prophesied since the very first of Genesis, we were looking, now these weren't the end times, we were looking for the coming of the Messiah. For 4,000 years of history, we were not in the end times. We were in the times that were looking for the Messiah. And you can remember the prophets, all that was prophesied. All that was prophesied came about in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a manger. And that began the transformation from the old covenant to the new covenant. The law of Moses, all of the prophets, all that's written in Psalms, all was fulfilled in the birth of the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the light of the world, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus, born in a manger in Bethlehem. And at that moment, times changed. Times changed. 4,000 years of history, we were in the times that we're looking for the Messiah, and he came. The second period of time was Jesus' time actually in the physical here on this earth, and he came on earth to show us the Father. You remember, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We didn't know what God looked like. We were not aware. We, we had a lot of ideas through his movement in history, but we weren't aware of what exactly God looked like until the birth of Jesus, and he revealed the Father God to us. For 33 years, 
we were in a transition time of us fulfilling the old covenant and ushering in the new covenant. So we were looking for the Messiah for 4,000 years. Then the Messiah came and for 33 years, we were in a transition period fulfilling, not doing away with, but fulfilling the law and the old covenant. Now nearing the end of that time, of those 33 years, Jesus told his disciples about his death, about his burial, about his resurrection, and one day his return. Well, of course, the first thing comes to mind, oh, how, when, how will we know? What, how will, what, you know, how do we gonna know what's gonna happen here? Jesus said, hold on, hold on, it's very clear. Don't be deceived by anybody. Don't be deceived by anybody no one knows. No one knows. He said, not the angels, not me, only the Father knows. So at the end of Jesus' time, he was crucified, he died, and was buried. He paid the price for sin, but the grave could not hold him. Death did not have power over him, and so the angels roll that stone back and Jesus comes out of that grave and for 40 days, he eats with them, he walks with them, he talks with them, and he teaches them. Then when that time on earth ended, Luke 24, verse 50, Jesus led them to Bethany. He lifted his hands toward heaven. He blessed them. And while he was blessing them, right before that entire group, he was taken up into heaven. Terry and I have been right there. Some of y'all were there with us. There's a big needle, a big pinnacle that goes up into the sky, right where that group of people were standing around, and they watched Jesus' feet leave the earth. When his feet left the earth, the world entered the end times. When his feet left the world, oh, I believe we're in the end times. There ain't no doubt about that. We entered the end times when his feet left the earth because the next major event will be him returning just like he said he was going to. So when somebody tells you, I believe we're in the end times, you say, you're right. You're absolutely right. So 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes, verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, so that lets us know people were about as smart back then as they are now. Let me go over this one more time. In both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago, what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, Scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? Well, from the times of our ancestors, everything's remained the same, the same since the world was first created. So what happened? I don't believe he's coming back. See, scoffers, I don't, I don't believe anything y'all are talking about. Verse five, they deliberately, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. 
And by that same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when the ungodly people will be destroyed. That says what it says. That's very clear. He, he's very clear. Verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. Okay, don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget this. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. So the Lord really is, he isn't being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So for the Lord waiting 4,000 years, it's like four days. It's like four days. Waiting 2,022 years, that's not a long time for the Lord. That's like two days. Because a day is as a thousand years to the Lord. See, we forget that the Lord sees the beginning from the end. And his view is a whole lot different than ours. All right, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. There is you a global warming promise. Now you can write down verse 10. There you got it. Uh, do you believe in global warming? Verse 10, real clear about it. When anybody tells me anything, when somebody comes up and starts talking to me, I don't, my mind just goes, what do you want me to do about it? Okay, so you're telling me this because of why? What do you want me? Okay, so what do I do? I, I hear your story. Well, okay, so, okay, what, what do I do? So anytime I read anything, okay, what, what do I do? I want to know what is my part in this. He doesn't leave us wondering. Verse 11, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But we're looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul wrote to you in the wisdom God gave him. Now, speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. This will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let me just call your attention to the fact that you're not going to change the date of these events by you driving an electric car. 
You're not going to change the date of these events by using roll-on deodorant and not aerosol deodorant. Let's just be clear. If you choose to roll on and not spray on, I'm proud for you. Just don't think that you're changing the date of what he just said. Okay, we got global warming, it's coming, the fire's coming, it's gonna get really, really hot. Oh no, it's not gonna alter God, all right? Since that's going to happen, what am I supposed to do? Well, here's what you do. You live a holy and a godly life and you look forward to the day of the new heaven and the new earth while you're waiting. Clear instructions, you live peaceful lives, pure and blameless in his sight, you be on guard and you grow in the knowledge of the grace of God. No doubt about it, when Jesus ascended to heaven, we are in the end times. The next event in God's eyes here, the next event is going to be the return of Jesus. As we look at the end of the end times, there are three players here. There are three players. There's God, there's Jesus, and there's us. Now let's look at this. God, his part in the end times, he's the, the decider. He's the one going to pull the trigger. He's the boss, he's the ruler, he's the shot caller, and he's the judge that we're all going to stand when he blows the whistle. He's the guy. Jesus said he didn't know. It wasn't his deal. It's God. God is the guy that's going to blow the whistle. Jesus. What is his part in the end time? Scripture is very clear about his part in the end time. He doesn't know when it's going to happen either. He said, I don't know. But his part is to catch him a seat right on the, I mean, on the right hand of God constantly. 24-7, day and night, interceding to God for you and I. And when God turns to look at you, he looks at you through his son, Jesus. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, constantly interceding for you. He is your lawyer. He is your advocate. He is the one talking to God for you. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. When I pray, I don't say, dear Jesus, do this, do that. I don't say, dear Jesus. I say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. See, I don't pray to Jesus. I pray to God. But you're going to go through Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I don't stand in front of God on my own. I want Jesus in between me and God. What's Jesus doing in these end times? Constantly making intercession to God on your behalf. That gives us the third player in the end times. That's us. What are we supposed to do? Well, pretty clear. We're supposed to live holy and godly lives. That's what we do. In these end times, I have to trust God that he's going to handle his part. Exactly how and the sequence and a thousand years reign, then he's going to come back and then this is going to happen. That's God's part. See, and I got to trust God for God's part. Now, I've got to trust Jesus for his part. See, I don't know, he's going to come on a horse. Well, is it a quarter horse, an Arabian, or a thoroughbred? Or is he going to ride bareback? He's going to ride a saddle? I don't know nothing about that. I'm trusting Jesus to figure out what horse. And whether it's bareback or a saddle. See, that's his deal. 
That's not my deal. My concern in the end times is making for sure I'm working on my part. That's my concern in the end times. What is my part? What am I supposed to do? I I don't need to concern myself about God's part. I got to trust him. I've got to concern myself with my part. Now, studying Jesus' dialogue in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 21 about the end times as he was explaining this to his disciples, there are five things that we have to focus on, that we have to clearly focus on. And I always try to teach sermons with three things, four things, five things, give you a number. That way, for those of you who are bored, you'll know about how much longer it's going to last. I got five to go. Don't get excited, but when I get four, you can start thinking about getting out of here and going to lunch, okay? So let's go number one. Five things that we got to focus on that Jesus clearly explained in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Number one, look within. He says, constantly guard yourself. Constantly guard yourself. Don't let anybody mislead you. Don't, don't, don't let anybody mislead you. You got to constantly guard yourself. Church today, more than any other time in history, we are more easily misled. You can't even turn on the news, not any channel, not any news channel can you turn on and not be misled. You're going to be misled by what happened or didn't happen. We're misled just watching TV. You know, in my era, well, for 6,000 years, we didn't even have telephones. You, you, the only place you went is how far you could walk, and so you never really left your county. So there wasn't a lot of people to mislead you. Then we got the invention of the phone just 150 years ago or so. But in my era growing up, it was one phone in the house is tied to the wall in the middle of the house. And when you were on it, everybody in the house could hear what you were talking about and how long you were on it. Get off the phone, get off the phone, my turn, get off the phone. Well, in my case, not only could everybody in the house hear me talking on the phone and what I was saying and what people were saying to me, in my case, was on a party line. This was a dirt road, there was four families. One of the families sitting right back there, Alan Bates, and I were on a party line. So not only when I was on the phone could the people in my family hear, Alan could pick up the telephone at any time in my conversation and hear what I was being fed. Worse than that, his mama could. And the mamas in this area had a pact. And they'd call each other and talk about us. So I'm on the phone, I'm starting to be misled. We got George Parker could pick up the phone. He was my school bus driver and his wife could hear what I was saying on the phone or what somebody was saying to me. We turn on the TV to get a little news. There wasn't but three channels. And you had to go outside to turn the pipe here on the side to get the antenna to face and everything. And the good thing about our TV was with those three channels, it came on at six in the morning and it went off at 10 at night. How many of you, y'all ever heard that sound? At three in the morning, I believe I'll watch me some TV. That's what you got. At six and at 10, it came on and it went off. We had national anthem, we had a prayer, and buddy, we shut her down. But now we got teens in their bedroom on their phone all night long talking to who know, who is inputting into the thinking of our young people. You got to guard yourself. Young people, you got to guard yourself. 
Nobody's in your room with your door closed in the middle of the night. We don't have a party line where I can tap in and hear what you're saying. Come on, young people, guard yourself. See, you gotta look within. Is what I am feeding myself right now going to produce life? Peace, happiness in my life, or is this going to make me miserable, depressed, and alter my worldview? you got to guard yourself. I'm just telling you, with good parenting, and we got great parents in our church. With a good school, we got a great school in our church. Our kids are raising themselves at night on their phones with all kind of hellish input into their thinking, into their life. Young people, guard yourself. I can't guard you. Your pastor can't guard you. Your parents can't guard you. Your teacher can't guard you. You got to more than ever guard yourself. You got to look within. You got to guard yourself. And he says, don't let anybody mislead you. Don't let anybody mislead you. Your parents aren't idiots, contrary to popular belief. Your pastor teaches you what he teaches you because I know what the wrong way is and I know what it'll produce. I know what that'll produce in your life. So when you are being talked to on the internet by this site you're on, you've got to know you're being misled and you're gonna have to look within yourself. Are you feeding yourself what will work in your life? Five things that we gotta focus on in these end times. Number two, you gotta look to him. Luke 21 says, don't be troubled. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. That's all the time. You're going to hear about that all the time. That happens all the time. Don't panic. Don't be troubled. Don't be worried. And more than ever, you have to not let your heart be troubled. Why more than ever? Because our heart is more easily troubled. When I was growing up, I didn't even know where Afghanistan was. I couldn't even say that. So I'm not constantly aware of what's going on over there. We didn't have 24-7 information. Oh, no, that's happening in California. Oh, no, that's happening in New York. I didn't hardly know what was happening down at the other end of this dirt road. But see, with all that we are inundated with around the world, then it's more easily for you to live with a troubled heart. A troubled heart. That's why we got to look to him. In these end times, you're going to have to look to him. You look to him in these end times. He is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And it's your job not to give the enemy a seat at your table. I didn't coin that phrase. Regardless of what's just happened in your life, the enemy can't sit at my table that God has prepared for me. This is my table. God has prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. And excuse me, sir, you're going to have to get up. You don't sit at my table. Come on, church, you're going to have to look to him. You're going to have to look to him. Number three, you got to look ahead. Matthew 24, 13 says, he who endures to the end will be saved. In these end times, you will have to live looking ahead looking ahead. Proverbs tells us with no vision, the people perish. So much of the trouble today for our young people is that they just have no vision. Ask teenagers what you want to do. They don't have a clue. 
They don't have a clue. Parents, we've got to instill vision in our kids. You've got to instill vision in your kids. You've got to get your kids looking ahead. I'm telling you, uh, at an early age, at an early age, I wanted to build something. I wanted to create something. I wanted to do something. I got off school, and I had a job after school. Every day I had a job. On Saturday morning, I got up early. I never got to watch comedies on Saturday morning. I got up art cartoons. I got up early on Saturday morning. I had to go, go to a job. I had to work. See, because I had borrowed some money. When I was nine, ten years, I went in debt at nine years old with my grandfather, and I bought a stallion, and I bought two mares, and I bred them, and I raised two colts, and I sold those colts, and I paid off my debt to my grandfather, and I got myself in the horse business. See, I'm, I'm going to, here, you want to smoke this? You want to do this? But, well, I probably would like to, but I don't have time. I got to get to work. Said, yeah, but yeah, I might like to go. Hey, you want to go? We're going to hang out till one. Till one, I got to get up and go to work at six. I can't go there. I got to go to bed. See, see, when you got a vision, when you're going somewhere, when you're doing something in your life, I'm telling you, kids, you know, you got a car provided, you got gas provided, you got insurance, you got a phone provided, you got everything provided. I don't have a thought of what do you want to do? I don't know. You want to go here? Yeah, might as well. What do you want to do? That? You okay. Oh, did you know? Look what I just found out. You ain't got time to find out none of that. You got to get to work. Come on, let's get to work. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something. I'm building something. I have a vision. See, young people, God has birthed you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a goal for you. You young people, God's got a call on your life. And it's to bear fruit, to bear much fruit. And it's not to go hang out. See, we've got to get a vision for our life. These end times are crazy. He says it's going to be crazy. Jesus said the end times are crazy. You've got to look within Watch over yourself. Guard yourself. You got to look to him so you not be troubled. Boy, you need to look ahead. Have a vision. Have a direction for your life. Have goals for your life. For those who are bored, I'm at number four. You got to have an outward look. You got to have an outward look. Matthew 21, he said, gospel was being preached throughout the world. People were coming. Lame were being healed. And blind were being set. I mean, people were coming. See, you got to have an outward look for hurting people. It's just not me and my and what I'm going through. You're all about helping somebody else. You're helping somebody else. So you got an outward outlook. Outward outlook. My goodness, church. We're in an era where there is no thought of anybody else but me. No thought of anybody else and how my actions affect anybody I just wanted to. Well, what about how you made everybody else around you feel? Well, I just wanted to. What about how that made your mom and your dad feel? So we're not concerned about nobody, about it. It's just a self-centered era of history and self-centeredness destroys only all the time. We want to fill this church with homes they're going to get set free. With families, they're going to be set free. We want to feel the same way. People who've had hurts from their past, childhood hurts, and they come here and find they're a new creature. Find out old things can be passed away. See, come in here and get a hold of what God can do in your life. We want to fill this church with people because we got an outward look of what God can do in somebody's life. And we don't come here just for me and my. I'm telling you, it concerns me. It concerns me greatly when people in church Men and women of God, when I hear they're leaving our church because they're just not being fed. What? What? Well, we're just not being fed there anymore. What about you not coming here to eat? 
What about you coming here to invest in our youth group, invest in our children's church? What about you coming here and seeing somebody who's hurting and let me go over and pray for them? What about you coming here with a $20 bill in your pocket specifically to give to somebody as they're walking out the door and said, here, I want to buy your lunch today. I want to bless you in a certain way. What about coming here and volunteering for our nursery and reading Bible stories to our little children so when they grow up and they're 18 and 19 years old, instead of going and burning and looting and tearing up, they had a background of children's ministry that instilled Bible characters and principles of God in their heart. What about you coming in and volunteer? Well, I'm not being fed. I'm leaving this church. Why don't you come here and volunteer for the nursery? You won't have to sit in here for boring sermons that aren't feeding you. This church is not about you and about your needs. It's about what we're doing in the lives of other people. In the lives of other people. So I just scratch my head. Well, our kids are out of Christian ministry school now, so we're going to go to another church. What about you staying and funding Christian Ministries Academy like people funded it for you when your kids were in school here? See, my kids are out of youth group, and so we're going to go to another church so that we can be fed. What about you staying here and supporting the youth group like people who didn't have kids supported the youth group when your kids desperately needed our youth group? If we don't get an outward view, we're in trouble in these end times. In the end times, you got to look outward. You got to look outward. Number five, round in third base, headed to home. Number five, look up. You look up. You look up. Luke 21, it says, when these things happen, you look up. Your redemption draws near. Living in the end times, you have to live looking up. Hopeless, despair, discouragement, it will overtake you. It will overtake you if you start looking all around you. You don't live your life looking around you. You live your life looking up. You're looking to him. You're looking to him. Think about it. Think about it. Some of you that are older in here can remember a time in your life when you lost your job. Whatever reason, your company sold or you lost a job. Crisis of gargantuous proportions hit you and your family. You look back. And the next job you got was making more money, more benefits, more... You would have never left that job had that crisis not hit you. And it was that crisis that... Are you hearing this? But see, when you're in the middle of that crisis, you can't see any good coming out of this. When you're in the middle of that disaster, you can't see anything good coming out of this. All you see is gloom and doom and despair all around you. That's why you have to look up. You look up. You look up. You look to him. God, I'm looking to you today. I'm looking to you today. Regardless of what just happened in my life, I'm looking to you. I'm, somehow you're going to take what was meant to destroy me and I'm going to see good come out of this. I am, my vision is on you. I'm looking up. I'm, in these end times, it's troubling. Jesus said it's going to be trouble. Troubling, people are going to mock you. They're going to ridicule you. They're not going to believe. They're going to consciously turn things off. They're, I mean, tell you, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. It'll be a mess. The end times, these next thousands of years, it's going to be a mess. Look to him. You look to him. In the crisis of the moment, you can't possibly see how anything can come out of this that's good. Look up. Look up. Church, today, we're in the end times. And we have been since Jesus' feet left this earth. 
We didn't just enter the end times under this president. We're in the end times. And we've been in the end times since Jesus' feet left this earth. There are three players in the end times. I want to quickly go over this for those who are just now waking up because you know it's time to leave. I want to recap what the rest of us have been through the last couple hours in here together. Three players in the end times. God, Jesus, us. Way too many people are consumed with God's part and no thought about their part. Consumed with going to this conference and that conference and reading this book and listening to this deal about this year's and this thousand years and this 500 years and then this kind of Let me tell you, here's what you need to think about. I need to be nicer to my husband. Here'd be a good thing to do. I need to go clean my bedroom. I need to organize my clothes and I need to make sure that I'm talking nice to my children. See, I want to live a godly life. I want to see, don't, don't worry about all this other stuff. That's God's part. That's God's part. What you consume yourself with is your part. And it just gets me when I see people running all over here to these conferences talking about God's part and they won't stay married and they won't pay their bills and they won't be nice to their mate. That, that bothers me. Let's get consumed with our part. I'm going to trust God for his part. God, he's calling the shots, not you. I'm trusting him. Jesus, he doesn't know. He doesn't know, know when it's going to happen. I'm thanking him that he's at the right hand of the Father. He's handling his part. He's talking to God for me, about me. Jesus, he's not every day sitting up there saying, God, do I saddle the horse today? God, do I go get the horse? God, is it time to get the horse? God, is where? And that's not what he's doing. The concern of Jesus is me and representing me to God. He's not concerned about where the trumpet is. Who left the trumpet? Where it is? I don't know. I thought it was in this box. Where's the trumpet? Do you have it? Gabriel, like, well, what a, who's got the dang trumpet? See, we're not up here doing all that. Jesus doing his part. God's doing his part. Now, why don't you and I focus our attention on our part? The third player in the end times is you and me. It's you and me. Our part is to live holy, godly, and pleasing the Father. To do that, you're going to have to look within, look to Him, look ahead, look outward, and look up, and live our life ready. This focus will keep you living happy, in peace, and blessed. Y'all stand with me. Lord, today we give you praise and glory and honor for just including us in all that's going on. We trust you. We trust you. Our trust and our confidence is in you. Jesus, thank you for all you're doing for us. And Lord, today I'm making a commitment to you. I'm going to work on my part. I want to live right. I want to live holy. And I want to live godly. As my life honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.